I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. Hey, this is Christina Quinn. I'm the host of Try This, the Washington Post's new series of audio courses. The idea behind Try This is to become better functioning humans without having to comb the internet for countless hours. In our first course, we learned how to sleep better. Now, we're going to learn how to make our friendships stronger. I'll offer expert tips that are doable, and I'll keep it short. So let's do this. Glasses in session. Find Try This from The Washington Post wherever you listen. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game. Revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Hey, everybody. Hey, hey, hey. Welcome back to the show. I'm Diana. And I'm Eli. Always so wonderful to have you with us. It really Today is. and every day. Always, every time. And I'm so excited to be here yeah. doing another story. Always. It's really the highlight of my week, sitting down to record. Mm-hmm. Um, and that is not a diss on my week. I, I genuinely <laughs> enjoy it. <laughs> the rest of my week is hell. No, it's a good week. It's Halloween season. Hey. Every yeah. week is a good week. We got our decorations up, up. We Finally. told y'all we had them up last time, but they weren't quite done yet. Now they are. Yes. We're excited, even Very though the, happy with the them. lawn is going to get mowed tomorrow, so I might have to move them around a little bit. But oh, man. It's fine. It needs it. I'm very excited. We might go this week. Uh, the Georgia Renaissance Fair Ooh, is, for the first time, I believe, yeah, having a, a haunt in their grounds. And uh, this is so cool because we always wonder what the hell do they do with this place all year when the Renaissance Fair isn't going on. My friends from high school, Emily and Sarah and I, we would go every single year. It was yeah. like our thing to go. And we always have a blast. And every year we're like, where is my Ren Fair after dark where you have all the gross real, shit happening? <laughs> the real Renaissance give me going the on. Body, People uncensored. Be, yeah, being Renaissance fools, experience. And there's no kids around, so you don't have to worry. Yeah. You know, you're just like, we're really. You know, mm-hmm. getting the real <laughs> Renaissance <laughs> experience. I feel like it would be super gross. Yes. And never happen again. It'd be like a Renaissance <laughs> freaknik. But whatever, I am ready to see it one time. Just For one. Real. Well, before we get into this episode, yes, we've got some uh, something important to talk about because recently y'all served as our answering machine mm-hmm. and gave us some great feedback about lettering in high schools. Yes, we're still on this. Yep. Uh, lettering in high school, varsity, mm-hmm. college, all mm-hmm. these things where you get the letter on your jacket. And we talked about it at length with the information you guys sent us. It was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. We had a we had a really good time. Yeah. But then we got this message. Yes. From Richard <laughs> on Instagram. Hey, Diana and Eli. Thanks so much for the great entertaining podcast. Thank you, Richard. Thank you. During the intro of the most recent pod, you went back and answered the question of what it means to letter in school. I'm still not sure you answered the question. You explained that you get a letter and or jacket and some very cute pins, 
But what do you have to do to letter? Does every <laughs> drama student letter? Does everyone on the football team letter? I don't understand what it takes to letter. Thanks, Richard. Richard, <laughs> you blew our minds. <laughs> You're right. We were like, damn, we did not we answer that question. We don't know how question. to letter either still. <laughs> so we, we took it on ourselves to look it up. Yes. <laughs> and we still don't know. <laughs> it turns out it's quite, quite... Uh, arbitrary. Yeah. It's, each school kind of makes the criteria for lettering, I uh-huh. guess. But it seemed to be that if you were lettering in volunteer service, it would be like a set number of hours you had to volunteer. With athletics, it was like you didn't miss any games, practices, or events, and you performed like you excelled in them when right. you were there. Right. Um, and then with drama, it sounds like there's a certain number of like events per year you have to participate in, yeah, either on stage right. or in tech or whatever, are production activities. Right. And so it'd be like two musicals, two drama nights, two, you know, a, a literary night or, you know, Shakespeare or something like that. So right, right. you would fulfill all these different criteria, but it's all based the schools kind of <laughs> decide it for themselves. <laughs> and then you can either sew the letter onto your jacket or some some people frame it at home and don't wear it. Yeah, that was some something people, else I didn't um, know. Some people put it in like a shoebox somewhere. Uh, oh, right. <laughs> likely never to be seen again. <laughs> but still bringing it with them from move to move well into their 30s. Right, right. Still and just, in that shoebox. Every few years going, oh, yeah. Hey, did you did you know that I lettered? <laughs> and I, I'm across the house like, yes, <laughs> I do. I did know that. So uh, hopefully we okay, got so, that as clear yeah. as possible. Seems like it's just a whole lot of nonsense. Yes. Oh, and then I d- forgot to mention that with all of them, it seems like whatever you're lettering in, you must also be in good academic standing oh. as well. Mm. You can't. Uh, I well, feel like they exactly. make exceptions. I think they do too. <laughs> <laughs> I think they do too. Uh, so yeah, sorry, Richard, you were so right about that. <laughs> we did not answer that question very well. Um, we had a great time talking about flair, though. Yeah. <laughs> well, let's not get too lost in the past. True. Uh, True. I, I hope that clears it up right. as, as well as anyone could. Um, you know, sure. Well, if you got anything else to say about it, we, we're probably not going to get we're into it again. Probably not going to bring it up again. But, but we'll, we'll be happy to hear it. Yeah, I will respond <laughs> to your message <laughs> with interest. So, I think we've got to get into today's story. Definitely. Um. So exciting. This story was emailed to us this summer by Vanessa. Yeah. Thank you, Vanessa, for sending this in. And again, above and beyond from Vanessa, she sent a bunch of links to articles with it, which saved us some time. Thanks, Vanessa. Yes. Now, this is kind of a quick little story. Uh, We we don't really have much about the early days of these people's relationship. Mm -hmm. Unfortunately, all that's really out there is the crazy stuff. But (laughs) look, that's all we're here for anyway, right? Uh, It's enough for me. So we had to bring this to you because it is definitely one of those stories that really, you know, you hear it and you just go, what? How? (laughs) Why? Mm -hmm. And really, that's kind of all the criteria there is here on Ridiculous Romance. Very true. (laughs) So, yeah, let's jump right in to a story about another couple whose heinous divorce involved hired thugs, death threats, jury trials, and a shocking ending that'll make you question the sanity of everyone involved. Perfect. Yeah, Sounds let's ridiculous do it. to me. Let's go. <laughs> hey there, friends, come listen well. Eli and Diana got some stories to tell. There's no matchmaking or romantic tips. It's just about ridiculous relationships. A lover might be any type of person at all. An abstract concept or a concrete wall. But if there's a story worth a second glance, we'll put it in a show, Ridiculous Romance. A production of iHeartRadio. In January of 1915, a man named Samuel Popeil was born in New York City. Well, I guess a baby was born. <laughs> a man <laughs> was born, man fully formed from the head forth of from an egg. <laughs> uh, Samuel Popeil, he was one of four children mm-hmm. his parents had. His parents were Jewish immigrants named Isidore and Mary Popeil. Now, he grew up in Asbury Park, New Jersey, and he admired his uncle, Nathan Morris, who was a successful salesman who eventually took on Samuel as an apprentice. Nathan would go and demonstrate in department stores and on the seaside boardwalk of his town, and Samuel learned all the ins and outs of salesmanship from him. He learned what excited people and what made them apprehensive and how to turn skeptics into regular customers. 
One of Nathan's top-selling items, according to an article in Haaretz, was the Morris Metric Slicer, an old-timey vegetable slicer with this like adjustable blade that you could raise up and down and kind of pick your thickness of whatever you're slicing. Nifty little gadget mm. for you know early 1900s. <laughs> so when Samuel was 17, he stepped in for the first time as a substitute for his uncle in a department store sales pitch. So he's going in with the nice. gadgets. He's like, I can do it, Uncle Uncle Nathan. I can I can put me in coach. <laughs> I can sell this thing. Let me give it a whirl. Yeah. And so he gets up in front of the crowd, he pulls out the metric slicer, and he's like, Hey everybody, check this out. And he promptly almost sliced his whole finger off. <laughs> And they were all like, Just, I don't want one. Yeah. Looks dangerous. Bleeding all over the potato. <laughs> Ooh. I guess I'll say no. Thank you so much. I uh, don't have the numbers, but Speculation Station, I'm going to say they sold zero items that day. <laughs> <laughs> but Samuel was persistent. He kept at it. Mm-hmm. And before long, he was as slick a salesman as anybody. Largely because he became so good at demonstrating those items. Oh, you so know? What, he had his first misstep, but then he it hit his stride and yeah. got really good at it. Maybe that that's what gave him thing. the determination, like, mm-hmm. never again. He was like, I was so embarrassed. Yeah. How could you? And he spit on himself in the mirror. <laughs> <laughs> Do you think Time he, he had this energy? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> in 1939, Samuel and his brother Raymond set up their own company and also started selling kitchen gadgets. Oh, his competition is the spirit of invention, after all. I mean, sure, yeah. surely it's a friendly family rivalry. Right, yeah. No, no problem around Thanksgiving time. <laughs> Thanks for teaching me everything you know, Uncle. Now I'm going to put you out of business. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. And a couple of years later, Samuel and Raymond took their company, Popeil Brothers, out to Chicago, Illinois. Okay. There's an article from Carnegie Museum that says that Samuel, quote, unlike his contemporaries, reversed the relationship between product design and marketing in a way that tapped into the consumer psyche like never before tried or accomplished. So basically, you know, business basics, you find a need, you know, with your customer, your potential customer. You invent something to address that need, and then you sell it to them. Sure. And you're fulfilling their need, and everyone's happy. Yeah, because I'm a customer, and I'm like... Oh, thank goodness, you've got the thing that I've been waiting for. I'll buy that, the thing I was already waiting for. Right. Yeah. Well, Samuel was like, what's if I just make something and then tell you you needed it all along? Oh. (laughs) (laughs) Even though you really don't. (laughs) And wow, did it work. (laughs) Oh, my goodness, it worked. Uh, Nobody needs a knife that can cut through a tin can. Or slice a tomato paper thin yeah. or anything like that. But he convinced people that they did, and they bought millions of his inventions. Well, I didn't think I needed that, but uh, now that you show it to well, me... Now that you mentioned yeah, it. Yeah, I do like spending money on stuff. <laughs> Aside from food and, you know, things that I need for my job, I don't think I've bought anything that I need <laughs> in, in many years. It's all stuff that I've been told I need. That's and I'm like, not a sure. Bad point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I need a I need a galaxy light. I need a mask for my foot, so when I take it off, it's all black, and I'm like, oh, look at all the toxins. <laughs> Do you remember those? No. Oh, it was like a couple years ago. It was a big trend. It was like an ad all over my news feed and several other people as we were talking about it for a while. Wow, interesting. It was yeah. very weird looking shit. Yeah. And I was like, oh, sure, because they were like, oh, your toxins come out through your feet while oh, you of sleep course. or something, and we absorb <laughs> them or whatever. And I was like, what is this oh, wizardry? So there's not a ton of information out there about Samuel's early days beyond that, kind of like we said. There's mm-hmm. even less information about his first marriage to a woman named Julia Schwartz. But together, he and Julia gave birth to a son in 1935 named Ron Popeil. When Ron was six years old, Samuel and Julia divorced, and little Ron went to go live with his grandparents in Florida. Now, in the early days of popular television in the 1940s, Samuel started purchasing ad space in off-hour spots on TV for as little as $7.50 per minute, which is around, let's see here... Eighty dollars today. Can you imagine getting a minute on TV for (laughs) For eighty bucks? bucks? I would be all over TV. (laughs) Jeez, I know, right? You'd be like, "Give me thirty minutes now." Uh huh. 
Oh, why are you the bunny? I know. I can just pay for my own TV yeah, show. Yeah, you would tell me easily. <laughs> you guys would be getting the Ridiculous Romance TV show, that's for sure. Yeah. It would be this, but we'd have a camera on. I know. Yeah, you'd get to look at us in our blanket fort. <laughs> so then in 1952, Samuel's son, Ron, moved back to Chicago. He was 17 years old, and he was going to learn the business from his father. He was going to take his amazing sales style, add a few of his own tricks... And then all those tricks made Ron into a legend at a very young age. So he is a lot like his father. <laughs> He's yeah. like, teach me everything you know so I can, you know, go do my own thing. <laughs> Take over the business. <laughs> so in 1956, Pope Heal Brothers invented a new product that would bring the Pope Heal name to homes across America. The Chop-O-Matic. Yes. It was about a foot tall. It had a long handle on a spring attached to like a zigzag blade at its base. And when you slapped the handle on top, at the base, you could chop anything you wanted into tiny pieces. I'll Very take useful. Two. <laughs> <laughs> but because it had so many uses, it was really difficult for salesmen to carry around everything they needed to truly show off what the Chopomatic could do. Because, you know, this is like demonstration era oh, of yeah. sales. You, know, you had to go to stores and set up a whole thing or you right. had to go to door to door or whatever. Right. So imagine rolling up with your briefcase and you pull out the Chopomatic and also a cutting board, a bundle of carrots, some celery, some ice cubes, a couple of hard boiled eggs, a ham, a live turkey, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just... We're going to chop up this live turkey today. <laughs> a throw <Woo>. pillow. <laughs> throw pillow. No, I don't know. Hey, you could chop it anything. You could chop with anything the chop And you got to prove it. <laughs> so this prompted Samuel to get Ron on TV some of this cheap ad space that he had bought. With a taped demonstration of the Chopomatic for the first time in 1959. And not exactly, but it went a little something like this. Ladies and gentlemen, this brand new gadget is going to change the way you do things around the kitchen. That's right, all your chopping worries are a thing of the past with the greatest kitchen appliance ever made, the Chopomatic. Oh my, the Chopomatic? All my many years of shredding cabbage for coleslaw are finally behind me. That's right. And as a man, I sure do love crushed ice. It's a cinch with this stainless steel blade. But surely a product like this must cost tens of thousands of dollars. Well, actually, the listed retail price is just $5.98. Hmm, I'm on the fence, but I don't want to pay that much. Could I get it for any less? Well, you're in for a treat. Because if you call right now during this exclusive television broadcast, it can be all yours for just $3.98. But wait, there's more. If you call today, we'll send in this booklet with 50 secret recipes from world-famous chefs. Secret recipes from famous chefs? However did you get those? Torture and blackmail. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Something like that. And Ron was alone on camera in these early days, and he would just stand behind a counter and demonstrate the product in real time. Right. And it's pretty impressive. And it followed in his father's philosophy. Nobody needed this, but the idea of making a simple task simpler, safer, and faster had people foaming at the mouths. So this did three things. One, the Chopomatic was a massive hit, sold over two million units. Wow. Two, the Popeil Brothers was now a brand name that became synonymous with making life in the kitchen easier. And three, Ron Popeil became a household name himself, setting him on a path that would make him one of the most recognized and respected salesmen in American history. Damn. That's pretty crazy because we love a salesman here. Uh-huh. And the Chopomatic led to other inventions like Dialomatic and eventually the Vegematic, which Ron would sell over 9 million units of and bring in $50 million Incredible. on a Vegematic. On the Vegematic. It's pretty cool. And this was before the as-seen-on-TV stores. Yeah. Yeah. You really just had to see it on TV. <laughs> you had to see it on TV. <laughs> For Call real. Now. Call the number. And sales is a cutthroat business. But, you know, fortunately, these guys are all family, right? right. I mean, right. at the end of the day, family always comes first. Obviously. Except that <laughs> if you remember Uncle Nathan, Samuel's mentor who taught him everything he knew about being a salesman, in 1958, Nathan Morris released a fancy new product called the Roto Chop. And this was strikingly similar to the Chopomatic. 
And Samuel was not having that. <laughs> so he ended up suing his mentor and uncle for copyright infringement. Mm, this is a this is like a Roy family situation. <laughs> In the courtroom, they had this big heated exchange. He and Samuel were going at each other. Nathan was pissed that Samuel was so ungrateful for like the big break that he gave him in the sales business. And Samuel fought back with him that, you know, he was just using what he taught him to make his own business. And now his uncle was trying to steal that back. So it got real hot and angry. And they're fighting and fighting and fighting right there in the courtroom. And then all of a sudden, Nathan collapsed from a heart attack. Oh my God. He was rushed to the hospital. And he survived, and Samuel felt terrible that he'd put his uncle through all this. Mm -hmm. So he really rethought the lawsuit, and he was like, okay, instead of instead of pushing forward and suing him, because he was definitely going to win, mm -hmm. I will settle this you know, for a reasonable sum that both parties were happy with. And the very next day, Uncle Nathan hopped out of bed <laughs> like Grandpa Joe when Charlie won his golden ticket. <gasps> Like, prime of his life, nothing had ever happened, super Bitch. healthy. Bitch, oh my Come God. Come on. Do we have to enter speculation station <laughs> to say that there's no way Nathan had a real heart attack? <laughs> no way. He totally faked that. that That's is... a George Bluth move. <laughs> <laughs> right. So that sets a pretty crazy stage for what the Popeil family was like. Uh, and just how crazy things would get around Samuel sometimes, yeah. too. And most of the history out there is focused on their son, Ron, because he broke off in the mid-60s. He started his own company, Ronco, which exploded, sold some of the most famous as-seen-on-TV inventions that you still hear about today. But wait, there's more. Samuel Popeil wasn't just an inventor who slices and dices. And if you stay tuned for this exclusive podcast event, we're going to throw in a fabulous curious, and all-around ridiculous romance at no extra charge to you. Wow. That's right. Stay tuned, and you'll get not only the story of Samuel Popeil, but we'll also bring you his marriage to Eloise Little. What? And that's not all. Coming up, we're going to give you Samuel Popeil and his marriage to Eloise, and we're going to throw in his divorce as well. Wow. It's all coming up for the low, low price of just a few commercials. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy. And we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. 
Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Welcome back to the deal. I mean, show, everybody. (laughs) So here's what we know about Eloise's early life. She was born in 1925. In 1954, she married Samuel Popeil. She was 28. He was 39. And at some point, they had two children. Oh, okay. That's about all we know about their happy marriage. Okay. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> I mean, we, we've talked about this, but really all the history that is about them at all is just side notes in stories about Ron, their much more famous son. Mm-hmm. So you might be out there saying, hey, Eli and Diana, what am I going to do with such little information? But don't touch that dial, because if I got a story for you, in 1965, just a little over 10 years after their marriage, Eloise filed for divorce. Mm. The circumstances aren't exactly known as to why this divorce started, but I think we can certainly spend some time in an old speculation station. Yay! <laughs> taking a little layover here, <laughs> wondering what the hell happened between the two of them. Maybe she just had weird Rube Goldberg machines for everything, and <laughs> yeah. she was like tripping over like robotic <laughs> hands, and so she's like, I can't take it anymore! Right. She's <laughs> hitting the face with a waffle. Yes. What's going on? Pours the coffee in the wrong place. Yeah. You know? She's like, ugh. That. I replaced this carpet already this year. <laughs> it's that Honey, I Shrunk the Kids. Yes. Opening, right? <laughs> all those gadgets. Exactly. Maybe he just like, maybe he was always trying to patent everything and mm-hmm. sue okay. all the time. Oh, you mean like he'd be like, I love you, honey. Oh, yes, I love you too, dear. I love you too? That's what I said. You can't just steal my <laughs> saying. I'll see you in court. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> Probably, I imagine just like everything was an infomercial to him. Oh Lord! So like, like, honey, I'm I'm taking you out for romantic dinner tonight. Oh, that's nice. Yes, nice. yes, but wait, there's more. Oh, <laughs> if you come to dinner, I'll give you this uh, nice steak dinner with not just one side, but two sides of your choice. <sighs> Call now. I'll throw in a side salad and a dessert and a bottle of wine for just nineteen ninety nine. I want a divorce. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yeah, I can see that. <laughs> I can see it. Okay, I want a divorce. <laughs> Just, he can't turn it off. <laughs> oh my god, that would be even if he just talked in that voice. Oh yeah, all right. The time like I'm fine, honey. How are you today? <laughs> How's I'm... the weather outside? It's a beautiful day. <laughs> it's not just beautiful; it's extra beautiful. <laughs> oh, she like snaps. <laughs> <laughs> it's partly cloudy today. It's sunny and cloudy. <laughs> and there's a breeze. And you can have it all by just stepping outside. And her hands slowly form two fists. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we can't find out exactly what caused this divorce in reality, although those are perfectly plausible <laughs> reasons why this might happen. Um, but we do know that it was contested and it lingered in court for years. Mm. It wasn't until 1972 that Samuel and Eloise actually separated and Eloise moved to Los Angeles, California, according to an article in the L.A. Times. But a quote from Eloise at their trial starts to kind of summarize why she finally got out and what took her so long. Mm -hmm. She said, quote, the reason I could not live with my husband was that for 10 years, since October of 1964, he has had me followed day and night. Ooh. He has had my phones bugged all the time. He had electronic beeping devices on my cars. He was insanely jealous of everyone and everything. That's intense. Ooh, yeah, that's a, quite an accusation. And she says, she says, uh, you know, 64. So that was like right before she filed for divorce. So it's not mm. like he was doing this the whole time that we know of. Right. She cites it as being like from the from essentially when she filed for divorce the, into the preceding years after. When oh, he, so he got mad that she wanted a divorce. And yeah, started, like, or he got mad right. Exam- bef- he got possessive, and he was just you know spying on her all the time, mm-hmm. and that's why she filed for divorce. And then he continued that and wouldn't let her you know lead her lead her own life. It really reminds me of our other episode about Bert and Linda Pugash. Yeah, um, yeah. because he w- he was also a very rich man mm-hmm. who just would not leave her alone and stalked her and hired people to follow her and. I mean, they weren't married, uh, and not that that really makes it better or worse in either situation, but uh, 
it's it it gives me a lot of hints of that. Just this, yeah, like, totally. Very wealthy, very disconnected from reality kind of person who thinks mm-hmm. they can just control everything and everyone in their life. Right, and that once they have something, they have it for yeah. as long as they want it, yep. and you don't get to just walk out on me. Right, I tell you when it's over. Yep. Kind of, kind of yep. feeling. Yep, she's like, I want a divorce, and he's like, but wait, there's more. <laughs> more marriage to me, that more is. More marriage. <laughs> Be here for another eight years. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> so after Eloise got to California, she found herself a new boyfriend named Dan Ayers. Okay, how you doing, Dan? Dan was a union shop steward at Douglas Aircraft Company in Long Beach, and he and Eloise hit it off quickly after meeting. Eloise was still haunted by Samuel's anger and his oppressive behavior during their contested divorce, Mm -hmm. and Dan really hated what this was doing to her. He also felt that Eloise should be entitled to her husband's $100 million (laughs) fortune, so... Yeah, I'm pretty sure he kept his shoulder real close for her to cry on, you know? (laughs) Right, and he was like, you deserve so much more, baby. And so do I, you know? I think we both just deserve so, so much more. I'm willing to stand by you through this the whole time, right up until we get that Right, yeah. And maybe after that, we'll see. Yeah. But in June of the next year, things took a turn for the worse for them when Dan lost his job as the shop steward. Uh Uh-oh. And by December, they were fed up with trying to get Samuel to agree to this divorce. He's still dragging it out and everything. And that's when Dan decided to call an old friend. His name was Donald Reed, and he worked for the same company that Dan had. He was on the committee that did bargaining for the union. But he was also an ex-convict who had served time in Michigan for armed robbery, according to a report by Jay Compton on the trial. And in mid-December, Dan contacted Reed and said he had a job for him that could pay twenty-five, thirty, even forty thousand dollars. <laughs> really... He clearly learned a lot. Yeah. <laughs> the Popeil family. <laughs> but wait, there could be more. And in fact, he said, money is no object. And Reed said, okay, well, what's the job? And Dan said, you gotta go kill Samuel Popeil. Ooh. Mmm. It's one of those types of jobs. Right. And Reed was pretty unsure about this from the start because he'd just been asked to murder someone. (laughs) But I'm kind of glad to hear that he was a little hesitant. (laughs) He wasn't immediately like, oh, sure. I mean, he'd never done this before. So it's a little bit of a weird ask. Mm -hmm. But Dan insisted that, like, no, this is a good, clean job. It's going to come with a huge paycheck. And he told Reed that Samuel was worth a hundred million bucks. But, quote, he has all the money tied up. It's just as much Eloise's money as it is his. He's got to go. And he told Reed all about Samuel's home in Chicago. He gave him, like, his living habits. He told him about his security, which I imagine was a bunch of, like, automated machines, (laughs) securomatic. But (laughs) He's like, he's got, like, an inspector gadget arm that comes out over his head, (laughs) and it'll slap you in the face with a glove. (laughs) (laughs) Throw a glass of water in your face. He's got a little flower, and if you look at it, it'll, <laughs> it'll squirt, squirt water you. at you. Don't shake his hand, and you'll get a buzz. <laughs> but uh, oh, he told him that if he went to Chicago and checked it out, he would see, you know, kind of what the layout was. So Reed took a minute to think about it, but ultimately he said, "All right, Dan and Eloise, you guys should come over to my place, and we'll talk more about it." Yeah, and a few days later, Dan and Eloise did. They went by Reed's house, and they discussed killing Samuel. Eloise thought it was a great idea. She (laughs) was ready to pay Reed whatever he wanted out of the money that she would eventually get after Samuel was dead. Uh And she figured, fine, if he don't want to divorce me, then I'm going to get what's mine anyway. Right. She's like... Okay, well, if we're married, I'm legally entitled to your money if you right. die. So, so bye. sure, fine, don't divorce me. <laughs> I know, right? It's actually better for me if you don't. Um, so they hand Reed a ticket to Chicago and some money and a camera. And they told him, go to Chicago, go to the 29th floor of the Drake Towers building by way of the fire escape and take a picture of Samuel's door. And Dan, like, drew a map of the area. He told Reed where Samuel's garage was. He said, if you see a Cadillac El Dorado and a Rolls Royce, that means Samuel is home. So, mm. Good to know. Yeah. <laughs> Very any prospective murderer should probably know <laughs> if you're there or not. And they said if he took the picture and brought it back, they would know that he was capable of getting in and getting the job done. 
And then they would start to wire the money for the actual job. So they kind of wanted, I guess, to know he can handle yeah, we this didn't job hire that they idiot. totally just gave him out of nowhere. <laughs> yeah, yeah. They wanted well, to vet know. him. Yeah, it's not, not, <laughs> not the worst idea. No, it does make sense. It does make sense. So in late December, Reed flies out to Chicago. He gets to Drake Towers, and he thinks to himself, well, this is a stupid idea. I'm not going to do this. <laughs> oh, there you go, Reed. <laughs> and he gets back on a plane, and he flies home to Los Angeles. The very next morning, he called his buddy Richard Peeler, who's also a co-worker, and he tells him the whole plan. He's like, these guys called me. They want me to kill this guy. It sounds crazy. <laughs> Been in a weird headspace the last few days. Yeah. <laughs> really need a friend. Together, Peeler and Reed decide, hey, you know what? Let's start recording all the conversations that you have with Dan and Eloise. We'll offer to do the job, get as much money out of them as we can, and then we won't kill Samuel. And wait, there's more. <laughs> when they come to us and say, hey, why isn't Samuel dead? You didn't hold up your end of the job. We can say, yeah, well, we have all these recorded conversations. Mm -hmm. So unless you want us to turn you into the police, you can fuck off and we'll keep the money. Ooh. Pretty feisty plan there mm. from these guys. So Dan and Reed set up another meeting, and this time Reed and Peeler are secretly recording it. And Reed tells Dan, oh, yeah, I went down there. <laughs> like, you know what? Tell her I saw the building. Tell her I went inside. I checked it out. I didn't get the picture of the door, but like... I totally saw this, that, and the other. And he starts like listing all these details to prove that he was there. But it's also very clear in this recording that he's inferring by saying, tell her, tell her, mm -hmm. don't forget to mention to her. He's inferring that Eloise is very much aware of what he's doing, even though she wasn't at that meeting with them. Yeah, he wanted to make sure she was implicated, yeah. even though she wasn't present. Yep. Totally. And Reed has another phone call with Dan where they talk about getting a silencer for a handgun. They start talking about arrangements for the cash transfer and everything. But Reed starts asking Dan if Eloise is really on the level. Mm. He says, quote, I'm not sure she'll hold up once she sees her husband in a casket. <laughs> but Dan calmed him down. He told him, look, Eloise has a bunch of diamonds in a safe deposit box. We can work out some kind of collateral out, right? Some right. kind of deposit. You don't have to worry about us being serious. We'll give you something up front, give you more money after he's dead. Right. It's going to be totally kosher. So they got off the phone. They agreed to keep going over the details. Meanwhile, Reed and Peeler had tape recordings of their conversations. And after every meeting with Dan, they would sit down and listen to them and make sure they were good quality. This was like a, <laughs> a podcast. <laughs> it's just like a podcast. Oh, you were really funny in that part, Peeler. <laughs> Dude, I thought it was super cool how you pushed back on that. <laughs> it's just really crisp quality. It sounds very good. Very good. Yeah, totally, good. totally. Thanks, man. Thanks, man. Then Dan started to get suspicious of Reed, mm -hmm. probably the only smart thing he does <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this entire time. So he decides, you know what? I'm going to contact somebody else. Yeah, I don't trust this guy. I'm right. going to get somebody new. We're going to start over with somebody else. Yeah. So who does he call? Richard Peeler, <laughs> oh the guy who is already conspiring against him. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, bad luck, I guess. He's, he's like, I really just don't know that many criminals, I guess. <laughs> and there's just two co-workers. <laughs> right. You only have two friends. <laughs> that I find to be sketchy. <laughs> already working together against me. Oh, man. Dan sucks, too, I guess. Wow. <laughs> then Richard was like, you know what? Totally. I'll help you bring this guy down. <laughs> yeah, right. And Reed, of course, doesn't doesn't bug him about it. He's not like, hey, why'd you stop calling me? Because he knows the guy he did right. call. Dan, Dan goes to Eloise, yeah, I fired. I fired Reed. It took it really well, surprisingly. <laughs> He's, he, he just said, okay. So, look, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, well, that's great, Eli and Diana, but will any of this help me spin my salad? Well, don't worry, because have we got an offer for you. Since you've been here listening to not just the first part, but also the second part, we've decided to include part three of this podcast at no extra charge. Wow, that is a value savings of up to no dollars. Mm. <laughs> so <laughs> how do we do it, folks? Volume. So let's keep that volume up, and you stay tuned so you can take advantage of this exclusive offer. <laughs> we'll be right back, is what I'm saying here. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. 
I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release, presented by Verizon, coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. There's a lot happening these days. But I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters, without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the 7 most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about 7 minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else. And welcome back to the show. So... Reed and Peeler have been recording their conversations with Dan and Eloise. And now Dan has decided to give up on Reed and go with Peeler instead, which is pointless because both <laughs> these guys are the ones scheming on him. <laughs> I mean, I, it's I really love an it. amazing it's situation. Yes. I, I need this movie. Absolutely. It's just amazing. So on January 3rd, Reed decides to call Samuel. And tell him about this plot that Eloise and Dan are cooking up and how they planned to extort them for it. Why we did the, Why they did this, I do not know. And we can only go into Speculation Station about it. Yeah. I, why would be the purpose of calling him up? I, mean, I do don't really understand. They're just like, called off yeah, hey, buddy, I'm, I'm, I'm running a scam on your ex-wife. She's trying to kill you, but I'm going to cheat her out of all her money. Like. Like, and he's just going to be like, oh, good. Hope it works out. Thanks for letting me know. <laughs> like, was he just like, hey, man, listen, I'm going to pretend to kill you, but like, I need you to lay low for a couple of days. Maybe, you know what I'm afterwards maybe. so that I get my payment. Maybe. <laughs> he that... forgets that they kind of need a death certificate to get <laughs> all the money. Now, there is uh, another little speculation station inside this Carnegie Museum article online. Uh, they say that the director of the Warhol Museum has the, had this whole exhibit about gadgetry in the 50s. Mm -hmm. And um, he suggested in his version of the story that Samuel had actually hired these guys first to take out a hit on Eloise and that Eloise actually outbid them and sent them oh, back against Samuel. That scene in the movie would be so good I... because she'd just like <laughs> sit back, light a cigarette and go, so how much was he going to give you? I'll double it. <laughs> right. What if I double it to kill him? <laughs> now, there's really no evidence to support that. And even this guy himself says that, like, a lot of the history kind of gets lost between the lines right. of the reality in this story. So it's fun, but mm -hmm. it doesn't really make a lot of sense. Also, Samuel had so much more money than Eloise, so I don't know how she could have outbid him, honestly. But yeah. She just lied about it. Or if it was just like a Game of Thrones, like, well, pick who you think is going to win because they'll have the money in the long run. That's but true. ultimately, I think it's a big old stop at Speculation Station and uh, <laughs> and probably not true. Whatever happened, 
Later that very same day that Reed called Samuel, the Long Beach police gave Reed a phone call. Uh, and they were like, hey, uh, uh, what you up to over there? We heard that you're, you're planning a, a little assassination there. Going to blackmail some people for it? Yeah, a lot of crimes. Doing yeah. a lot of criminal activity. Yeah, a lot of, lot of crimes. <laughs> Just what's, heard some rumors. What's, uh, sounds, sounds like something we should know about. <laughs> and, uh, this is you right know. in my wheelhouse. <laughs> So they end up getting involved because they're like, well, if you're working with someone who hired you to kill someone, let's let's go ahead and take this to the next level. Mm-hmm. And uh, oh, oh, you've been recording conversations. That's cute. We're going to come in and yeah. record the conversations from now on. <laughs> so now it's early January and Peeler is having meetings with Dan. And now Eloise is getting involved and they talk openly about getting a key to the apartment building mm-hmm. on an and. And how they've got to make sure that the daughters aren't going to be home when he's there because she and Samuel have those two daughters together that are living out in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, he's got to make sure the cleaning staff won't be there. She tells him it'll be really easy to get into the apartment and shoot Samuel in his sleep. But later, Dan met with Peeler separately and told him, you know, it might be better to poison him rather than shoot him because, you know, it, right. it kind of draw a lot of attention Loud, when you shoot somebody. Messy. And, a lot of questions. And he gave Peeler a bottle with a white powder in it with the name Eloise Popeil on the label. Now, <laughs> so, Dan, I need you to put a dunce cap on these right now. These guys are just not good at it. <laughs> this, is, this is shabby. <laughs> in one of the last recorded meetings, now with the police officially taking these recordings instead of Reed and Peeler, uh-huh. Eloise told Peeler that if the poison didn't work, he should, quote, just blow off his head and forget it. I <laughs> like mean, you do. Damn. <laughs> Just forget it. <laughs> blow his head off and walk away. <laughs> Peeler's in therapy like, and then she told me to just forget it. And I've never been able to forget it. She said she just wanted him dead by any means necessary, and that if it was necessary, Peeler should just kill the maid, too, and put their bodies in bed together. Wow. That is low. Add insult to injury. I mean, especially for this maid. What does she ever do? <laughs> right? yeah. Like, imagine her family being like, she was fucking Samuel? That's <laughs> that odd. doesn't sound like her. <laughs> She's a lesbian. <laughs> Wouldn't that be funny? <laughs> so, I mean, no. <laughs> no, but <laughs> not at all. So at this point, the police are like, okay, I think we've got enough here. <laughs> she literally said the words, just blow his head off yeah, and forget right. it. And also, why not knock off the maid while you're yeah, there? Yeah, right. I mean, this lady's crazy. <laughs> We're good here. Let's go. They had four taped conversations from Peeler and Reed, and then the cops had done an additional three recordings. So they had a lot. <laughs> they just had stacks of tapes. Uh-huh. And on January 8th, 1974, they had one last meeting with Peeler, where Eloise offered up a deposit for the job, as they had discussed, It was two diamond brooches, a set of diamond earrings, and a handful of jeweled rings. And, like, I guess as soon as her hand opened up and all this beautiful jewelry, like, collapsed, (laughs) fell into his palm, the police busted in, and (laughs) Eloise and Dan were arrested. Yep. Now, the trial wasn't really actually as cut and dry as you'd expect, because, I mean, this this seems like... You know, we, we'll be home by dinner. I mean, cut print, right? <laughs> right? <laughs> but actually, the so the tapes that Reed and Peeler took were not able to be submitted as evidence due to some legalese stuff that I was reading in the court documents that I don't fully understand. But it sounded like basically the fact that they only recorded these tapes as a means to commit their own felony, that being blackmail, huh. that it's like these weren't official documents. Um, you know, the police didn't take these recordings there was some kind of humbo jumbo huh, there weird. where they weren't able to submit them. And the defense had fought hard against the inclusion of a lot of this evidence. They cited government snooping, improper use of information, and, quote, a lack of reasonable check on the accuracy of existing records. Hmm. Eloise leaned hard on her defense that Samuel was treating her so badly that she was driven to this behavior. Right, with the stocky the stuff. Stocky stuff for, for over, a, you know, for 10 years. Right. Yeah. Yeah, which, you know, can definitely drive somebody to do some crazy things. You really want to feel like you need to defend yourself in that situation. Mm -hmm. And when it came time for her verdict, the jury decided that on count one, 
conspiracy to commit murder. She was not guilty. On count two, information alleging solicitation of Donald Reed to commit murder. She was not guilty. Hmm. Count three, solicitation of Robert Peeler to commit murder. She was guilty. Right. I, I think that's because the only tapes of her asking Reed to mm-hmm. do the to do the murder were the ones they couldn't submit as evidence. So they had her on tape asking Peeler to do it. So she was guilty for soliciting Peeler to commit murder, but they didn't get her for Reed. I think it's funny that that doesn't make her guilty of conspiracy to commit murder. I thought the same thing. But uh, that's weird. Is a good lawyer. I mean, I guess so. <laughs> Oh, to have a good lawyer. Right. The DA, as side note too, the DA had like said in his closing arguments that his opinion was that she was guilty and of all three counts. And her team argued back that an official can't use their opinion to weigh the jury in one favor or another. Mm. Like they can only use the evidence. And the judge actually put that down. But they they resubmitted it again. There was a lot there about like they were they were using every trick in the book. Yeah. Legal shit's weird, though. I mean, some of that, it sounds so crazy on its face. And then when you look in the law. Yeah. You're like, oh, I see there was a strategy behind this. But it sounds horrible. Yeah. You know, from just a layperson's. Right. You know, you're just like, what? How is that possible? And then you kind of look and you're like, okay, there's like some statute or it's Uh put in place for protection of whatever, whatever. But, you you know, and you're like, I get it. But sometimes it's just like. Well, because if you could just look (laughs) at it and it seems cut and dry Mm -hmm. and then you say guilty, then a lot of people who didn't, you know, who you can prove innocent in the Mm minutiae are going to get convicted. get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get it. But it still does leave a lot of room for loopholes, it seems like. Sure does, doesn't it? Yeah. So Dan and Eloise were each sentenced to one to five years in prison for this charge. And for Dan, Peeler, and Reed, that's kind of where the story drops off. Yeah. But for Eloise, she ended up staying in prison for 19 months and was released on June 1st, 1976. Once she was out, she finally got her divorce. Hey, there you go. Pretty nice, like... Welcome to the <laughs> welcome to the outside. Yeah, <laughs> you got it. Congrats, you got out of prison. Here's, Here's your, your divorce. divorce. <laughs> wow! Finally, God, after all this time, right? She's she been got a divorce. A time. Twelve years. Is I'm that glad right? she got it because she needed to get away from that guy. I know for real. And I, I mean, I guess Samuel also was like, "Wow, she was really planning to kill me." So I guess I'll yeah. divorce you finally. <laughs> it sounds good. Um, and they agreed on a settlement. They finalized their divorce for Eloise to receive $250,000, but no alimony. And Samuel would also pay child support and all of her legal fees. That's kind of small for a $100 million fortune, but all right. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess she's like, whatever, just give me something. Right. But wait, there's more. Later that same year, Samuel and Eloise remarried what and they stayed married after all that i'm sorry (laughs) after all that can we just imagine the date where he asks her (laughs) you know what honey we've been he's chicago you know what honey we we've been through a lot we've seen a lot of things together and uh you know you tried to kill me i stalked you for a decade (laughs) yeah we both we both did each other dirty, is yeah. what I to say. So how about we leave it all in the past, but go in the future together? How about you marry me, sweetheart? Oh, sure. <laughs> Why not? Ah, sure. I ran through that 250k pretty quick. But yeah, they did stay married. Um, Samuel suffered a severe heart attack just two years later in 1978, but he survived. I wonder if, like Uncle Nathan, he bound out of bed. (laughs) (laughs) The next year, he sold off his company to some millionaire in Milwaukee, and Eloise stayed by his side, nursed him through his illness in his final years, and he died in 1984 at 69 years old. And Eloise lived until 2010 and died at 85. Wow. She got 15 years with that in there still. Yeah, right. <laughs> She's like, oh, but I just I'm had just to wait for him to die. So weird. 
I mean, it's uh, again going back to Bert and Linda, Linda Pugash. Yes, this definitely is the closest to that episode uh-huh. because I mean, he threw acid in her face and right. went to jail, and then they got married after yes. he got out. So, uh, I absolutely mean, insane. A slightly less intense version of that story in a weird way, but equally bonkers. Right. Well, this is why another reason why it just sounds like a really amazing comedy like crime comedy uh, yeah. type movie yeah. because it's just like so fumbly and like hilarious <laughs> like Three Stooges murder plot right. or something right. and then in the end they're like ah oh, forget it ah oh, forget it I love you honey <laughs> you know what I mean <laughs> oh man let's uh um it's not speculation station but what is it when we're gonna cast a movie oh yeah we have yeah. to cast uh, the couch <laughs> Let's uh yes, let's go to the casting couch and see if we can cast this movie that we were gonna Okay, okay. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> the casting, casting couch, couch, the name of our segment for this. Sure. because uh, I feel like um I feel like Reed and Peeler mm-hmm. could be like well back like okay, or let's say we're making this movie in nineteen eighty five. Right. I, I think it's uh, Keanu Reeves and River Phoenix. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> oh, my God. But today, I'm going to say, I don't know. What do you think? Like, who's hot? <laughs> who's hot? Or maybe are they like himbos? Are, they like, are you thinking about No, no, no. About no. I just mean like who's who's castable. Oh, like who's, 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 cast- who's a box? Oh, okay. Uh, Sorry. <laughs> but maybe it's not that. Maybe it's like some some sitcom stars. Yes. Like, um, yes. Maybe like Adam Pally. He's that guy oh. from um, Happy Endings and... Everything like that. Mm-hmm. I don't know. He'd be funny. What uh, about the guy from Workaholics with the curly hair? Oh my God! Yes, he would be a good one for one of those. It guys. could be any two any of the of, Workaholics. Any, any two would be of good the Workaholics. At the two. Maybe we need to make it three guys. Maybe Dan is one of the work is also cast by one of the Workaholics. <laughs> so when they're all three all together, all the fumbling idiocy, they would definitely coming, play it well. Yes, Dan's like, here's a bottle that says Eloise Popiel. <laughs> A hundred percent on board so with this. So those three are cast. It's perfect. And then I'd love to have like a taller woman be Eloise so that she can nestle Adam to her bosom and he can be like, oh, you deserve so much better, that's baby. That's good. Oh my God. Uh, Cecily Strong. I was going to say Cecily, Cecily Strong. Cecily Strong would be a great. She would be good. I yes. think she'd be really funny. Yes. Especially with him. Like the two of them together would be hilarious to me. <laughs> so who's Samuel? So who's Samuel Popeil? Yeah. Oh man. It's got to be... I don't know if we could afford him, but like, what if we got Gyllenhaal? Oh my god! Because he could play that eccentric kook, you That's know. True. And I think he'd, you know, when Jake Gyllenhaal cuts loose and wants to be funny, he's mm-hmm. very funny. He is hilarious. I think we could do it. Damn! Jake I'm going to start making huh? some calls. I, I don't know unless you got something better. All right, so back back to the show. Jeez, what are you doing? He's <laughs> <is> so distracting. <laughs> so. Ron Popeil, of course, went on to be Ron Popeil. Yes. <laughs> He's the infomercial legend behind, of course, Ronco, like we mentioned. Uh, that's still around today. They made the Popeil Pocket Fisherman, which was one of the most top-selling items of all time. Then uh, they had the Vegematic, mm-hmm. which was the one where you could slice a tomato so thin that it only has one side. And everyone's like, why? What is, why do the, I want a tomato? What is the purpose? <laughs> oh, good. Finally, I cannot know the tomatoes are there, but still I, have them. I'm like, everybody on, likes guys. a, it's called a beefsteak tomato. <laughs> like, I want a freaking tomato, bro. They also developed a smokeless ashtray, which is, okay, it's a little ashtray that's got a fan in the bottom that sucks smoke down from cigarettes that are resting in it <laughs> into like a carbon filter. Great. All your ashtray smoke is gone. But I'm like, but you're still smoking. <laughs> it doesn't right. pull the smoke out of your lungs I mean, or the air or after the air you exhale. You, right. It shows these people sitting around a dinner table because it's the 80s. Right. And they're all smoking. And it's mm. like, wow, the ashtray pulls the smoke away. And I'm like, cool. Great. Thanks for the clean air. What a difference an ashtray makes. Oh, geez. So in 1984, shortly after Samuel's death, Weird Al Yankovic released... A, a fantastic song called Mr. Popeil, mm-hmm. which was a love letter to the Popeil family. One of his best albums in 3D, by the way. Mm-hmm. It's this cool like B-52s style song. It sounds a lot like Rock Lobster. And Yankovic was in touch with the family when he was writing this song. And he found out that one of Samuel and Eloise's daughters, Lisa, is a singer and a vocal coach. And so he hired her to be the backing vocalist on the track. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, so she's singing along with them. She's doing the B-52s thing. It's great. Yeah, sounds great. Yeah, and then she went on to be a background singer on a lot of Weird Al songs, 
including I think the last one was in 2016. She sang on Tacky, which yeah. was the, the Pharrell Williams happy parody. Of course. Yep. And she also ended up giving him singing lessons as well. Oh, <laughs> so, imagine giving Weird Al singing lessons. Right? I'd Isn't be like, crazy? who am I? Now, Ron passed away just this year in uh, in July of 2021. Um, Lisa, who we mentioned, is now 65. And in 2019, she just toured with Weird Al. Oh, cool. Y'all know the the legacy of the Vegematic and the Chopomatic. I mean, the Omatic thing is oh, uh, just endless parody. SNL, Dan Aykroyd and the Bassomatic, one of the, among the grossest sketches Gross. they've ever done. Where <laughs> Dan Aykroyd puts a fish in a blender and drinks it. Uh, Gallagher's Sludgematic. Am I dating myself here? <laughs> anybody, anybody, any Gallagher fans Anyone? out there? <laughs> Craig, you know, he Craig. hits a watermelon with a sledgehammer. Hilarious. Man, when I was six to Nothing eight was years funnier. old, on the floor, rolling every time you hit that watermelon. Nice. Such good stuff. Nice. If only it was that easy. <laughs> well, geez, I mean, yeah, uh, Samuel and Eloise Popeil, quite a, quite a, I mean, what else can you say besides quite a ridiculous relationship? Very true. I just really want to know what brought them back together. I guess it's they just... really just were like, you know what, that was stupid. We were being dumb, like... <laughs> Or something. <laughs> Maybe it's just the money. I don't Maybe, know. Yeah. He, I mean, but yeah. what was the incentive for him? Uh, a wife, just I guess. A wife, or I don't just know. someone to control? I don't know. Well, you know, it's like it's like Bert. You know, yeah. he he he's he had already made up his mind. Mm-hmm. That's my wife. Right. That's true. So when it came, the opportunity came to get her back. Yeah. Then he never he didn't have to mm-hmm. to lose. Yeah. You know? Well, and some people's love is twisted, you know, that's like they're like birds. He's like, that's I truly too. love this woman. And yeah. that's why I'm doing all these horrible things, yeah, you know. Yeah. So that could be also the case here where they both kind of have a bit of a twisted love for the I other mean, or something. They didn't commit any human sacrifices. So well, hey, could, you know, our bar's pretty low these days. <laughs> well, thank you all so much for tuning in for this wacky one. Yeah, I hope you enjoyed. Yeah. Tell us what you thought. Yeah. We always love hearing from you. Um, our email address is romance at iheartmedia.com. But wait, there's more. Oh. You can also find us on social media. <laughs> and I am at oh great, it's Eli on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at Dianamite Boom. And you can find the show at Ridic Romance. Yep. We're also on YouTube. Mm-hmm. Just search Ridiculous Romance and we're up there. And uh, we would love to get your reviews up on Apple Podcasts, yep, hear back from you anytime. Weird. You know, stop by, give us a call, send a casserole, <laughs> whatever you want to do. Well, don't don't call me. I well, won't answer. Yeah, but you can yeah. text. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and we will see you this Friday with the final Recryptulous Romance, Ugh. just in time for Halloween. It's going to be hard to top the Rudas. Well, we will see you on Friday. Thanks for tuning in. Love you. Bye. So long, friends, it's time to go. Thanks for listening to our show. Tell your friends, neighbors, uncles, and aunts to listen to our show, Ridiculous Romance. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. What's up, y'all? Janice Torres here. And I'm Austin Hankwitz. We're the hosts of Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories, a podcast presented by iHeartRadio's Ruby Studios and Intuit QuickBooks. Join us as we speak with small business owners about the tools they use to turn their ideas into success. From finding that initial spark of entrepreneurship to organizing payments and invoices, we've got you covered. So follow and listen to Mind the Business, Small Business Success Stories on the iHeartRadio app or wherever you get your podcasts. We went from normal life, healthy child to acute lymphoblastic leukemia or B-cell, ALL. The St. Jude team came up to get CJ via ambulance. Shortly after that, I noticed a rainbow. It meant that there was hope. We were driving into hope. To have hope is to have your child healthy, and we have that because of St. Jude. You can help kids fight childhood cancer. Please become a St. Jude Partner in Hope today. 
by visiting musicgives.org. The wait is almost over. Get ready for the 2024 NFL season as the full schedule is announced. Every rivalry, every rematch, every rookie debut, every game revealed. The 2024 NFL schedule release presented by Verizon coming in May. Live on NFL Network, ESPN2, and streaming on NFL+. Plus. Terms and conditions apply to NFL+. Plus. Visit nfl.com slash schedule release to learn more. Do you love fashion? Do you love getting compliments on how well you're dressed? Are you always seeking the latest trends? Then we're talking to you. BostonProper.com is your fashion destination and the only place to go for all those nods, head turns, and new styles. No matter the day, season, or occasion, Boston Proper has what you're looking for. Sophisticated, confident clothing designed to flatter and get noticed. So visit BostonProper.com now and start creating your perfect wardrobe. Boston Proper. Wear it like no one else.